News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete. This is the show. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender, where things have gotten freer. Um, the man accused of attacking House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband carried zip ties with him when he broke into the couple's San Francisco home. This, according to a person briefed on the investigation, talking to the Associated Press. CNN reported the alleged assailant also carried duct tape, quoting a law enforcement source. The attack on Democratic leaders, all right, the attack on the Democratic leaders, 82-year-old husband Paul Pelosi less than two weeks before the November 8th election that will determine control of Congress was a jarring reminder of the nation's toxic political climate. Was it? Was it? No, it wasn't. It is if you are seeking it to be, I guess. Like if you want to construct that reality in your mind and create this perception. And maybe if you are in a position in like, say, uh, an institution like media in order to advance this idea, then maybe it seems more real. But this is there are a lot of things that journalists do. Reporters, I should say, do. Uh, when telling their stories. And I know because I used to be one. This is one of those things. Rather than just, but I was accused of being a news Nazi. Full disclosure, I was called a news Nazi by one of my old bosses uh, because I would just give you the W's. Who, what, where, when, why. That's it. Just, just the facts, right? And you get into trouble as a reporter, when you do things like that, when you try to, quote, provide context like this, in a jarring reminder of the nation's toxic political climate. Okay, first off, drop your adjectives, guys. You use these adjectives, and it just betrays bias. Sometimes ignorance, but it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. And, and even bias in a direction that I would prefer it go, it still betrays bias. Your adjectives, when you say a jarring reminder, you could have just said a reminder. But they always seek to frame things like with these types of sentences. This is one of this is one of those times. That this story is a reminder of this larger issue over here. And they assert this as if it's true. But it's not. In this case, it's not. That's their perception that it's true. They believe it's true. And so they're telling you this is true, but it's not. Police said the suspect confronted Paul Pelosi in the family's Pacific Heights home early Friday and demanded to know where is Nancy. The two men struggled over a hammer before officers responding to a 911 call to the home saw to Papi strike Paul Pelosi at least once. Police have, have not offered a motive. Um... Paul Pelosi underwent surgery for a skull fracture and injuries to his hands and right arm. Doctors do expect a full recovery, to, for which we are thankful. Like I'm, like I'm glad he's going to. You know, hopefully, he's going to be okay. Because that's a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible attack. It's a terrible thing. I mean, that's a scary thing. Guy breaks into your house and tries to. I mean, he would have killed him with that hammer. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever, well, I mean, I don't want to get too graphic here, but let's put it this way. I covered a trial down in Rock Hill, where I actually knew the defendant, um, 
who killed his father with a hammer. Killed his mom with a hammer. And it was brutal. So I'm glad Paul Pelosi's okay. In the search for a motive... Hang on a second. This is from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Company. There you go. Or Corporation. I don't know. CBC. In the search for a motive, attention turned to the suspect's apparent internet profile. In recent posts on several websites, an internet user named David DePappy, I'm thinking that might be him, expressed support for former President Donald Trump and embraced the cult-like conspiracy theory QAnon. The posts included references to satanic pedophilia, anti-Semitic tropes, and criticism of women, transgender people, and censorship by tech companies. Reuters could not confirm the posts were created by the suspect. Experts on extremism said the attack could be an example of a growing trend they call stochastic terrorism. I gotta gotta admit, I have not heard this term. S-T-O-C-H-A-S-T-I-C. Stochastic, or maybe it's stochastic. No, I think it's stochastic. Terrorism. In which sometimes unstable individuals are inspired to violence by hate speech and scenarios they see online and hear echoed by public figures. Okay, so you've now created a label, stochastic terrorism, where sometimes unstable, and that's a hyphenated word, so it's not even a totally unstable, all the time unstable, perpetually unstable. No, no, it's a sometimes unstable. Okay? Uh, So I guess if they're off their meds or something, or I, I don't know, sometimes unstable. But they get inspired to violence by hate speech and scenarios they see online and hear echoed by public figures. Okay. So like James Hodgkinson. Right? Or the guy uh, who uh, showed up at the House of uh, Supreme Court Chief or Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, that, like that guy. Same thing? What is the, what is the purpose of identifying this? And going to an expert on extremism to say this attack could be an example. I mean, it could not be, but it could also be an example of a growing trend. So is this is this headed towards like censorship rules? Because if we are now to be governed by a fear of what the most unstable of our society may do if they hear us utter certain words, how does it not end up in a censorship regime? That's the logical conclusion here, right? What am I missing? The chief said police were dispatched for a well-being check on the basis of a cryptic emergency 911 call from the residents. You heard the dispatch audio. I played it. They said that the reporting person gave conflicting information, first saying that he didn't know the person, but then saying he was a friend named David. He was looking for his wife. What we now know is that Paul Pelosi had called 911 and left the phone open so 911 could listen, and he gave information that led them to send police. And thank God he did. Uh, do, 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 do. The police chief, William Scott, said uh, the nine, credited the 911 operator with discerning that, quote, there was more to this incident than what she was being told by the caller, thus dispatching the call at a higher priority than normal. Scott called her decision life-saving. 
CNN reported that Paul Pelosi had called emergency 911 and spoke in code, not saying directly that he was under attack, but leading the dispatcher to conclude something was wrong. Politico, citing a person familiar with the situation, reported separately that Pelosi had told the intruder he needed to use the bathroom, and then he called 911 from there where his cell phone had been charging. Um, According to the chief, police arriving at the front door glimpsed DePappy and Pelosi struggling over a hammer. As the officers yelled at both men to drop the tool, DePappy yanked the hammer away and was seen striking Pelosi at least once. The officers then tackled, disarmed, and arrested DePappy. <clears throat> now, here's the, uh, here's the narrative crafting. Republicans have been quick to, quick to denounce the brutal hammer attack on the husband of the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, but have also deflected questions about any links between violent rhetoric and political violence. Because there isn't? What is the political, what, what is the link between the violent rhetoric and the political violence? Where was the rhetoric? What was the rhetoric? Was anybody saying, let's go out and attack Nancy Pelosi or her husband? Going out, you know, oh my gosh, those, those Democrat leaders, those Democrat politicians, they're killing people. Have you heard Republicans making these arguments? I have not. I got to admit, uh, as one who follows this stuff pretty closely, I have not seen any of the calls for violence. I have seen some pretty marginal things on the left over the years. Uh, you know, beheading uh, 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 or imagery that shows you beheading the president, that kind of stuff. Or maybe sticking the president's head on a spike. Remember that scandal from one of the old, I don't know, was that Game of Thrones that was in? Um, I mentioned this one the other day. Pushing grandma off a cliff. You have a party. The Democratic Party has been telling voters that Republicans are literally trying to kill you for my entire adult life. My entire adult life, I have seen the ads and heard the the messaging that says Republicans are trying to kill you or even put you back in chains, shall we say. Does that inspire violence? Because there's been a lot of violence. In fact, James Hodgkinson screamed out, this is for health care, as he attempted to mow down Republicans on the baseball field. Any connection there? We only get these discussions when the victim is from the left. How about a little bit more recent example? The Summer of Love 2020. Any connection there to, vi- uh, to political rhetoric? Violent rhetoric? Any connection there at all? It's a brain buster. I know. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You know who Michael Schellenberger is? I quote him pretty regularly. Author of the book San Francisco. Uh, he's got another one about uh, environmentalists. He used to be like a big green peace lefty, you know, progressive guy out west, and uh, now he's like he he. He's gotten red pilled <laughs> and he is uh, he, he makes the arguments, you know, against this green energy agenda that's going to uh, put people in destitution. He argues against the inhumanity of the uh, the current approach that you see in these progressive cities to 
open-air drug markets and, um, and homelessness. So he went through, because he's out there, he went through and started doing some, own, uh, some own, uh, of his own journalism, and he found some stuff out. And because of his background in writing the book, San Francisco, he used to work in this arena. He would, he's working with, you know, homeless people trying to get them rehabilitated and transitioned back into society. This is his expertise. He says, leading politicians yesterday blamed the political right for the brutal attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Consequences of the device, they called it consequences of the divisive and hateful rhetoric. And they said it's a direct result of toxic right-wing rhetoric. And those were all quotes. Journalists and mass agreed with their assessment. But to Pappy's politics, the attacker, his politics have little rhyme or reason. In past years, he shared a post about Stephen Colbert's 2006 roast of President George W. Bush at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. He linked to videos of Disney films altered to make it look like the characters were swearing. And claimed Jesus is the Antichrist, which I'm not sure, but I don't think those are conservative positions. The camper van parked in the driveway of the home belonging to David DePappy's ex-wife. The natural addiction treatment that it's advertising is of the psychedelic Ibogaine or Ibogaine, Ibogaine. I've never heard of this. I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E which neighbors say the DePappi family has been bringing back to the U.S. from Mexico. The bumper stickers on the back of the camper are left-wing and conspiratorial. As I discovered yesterday, DePappi lived with a notorious local nudist in a Berkeley home, complete with a Black Lives Matter sign in the window and an LGBT rainbow flag emblazoned with a marijuana symbol hanging from a tree. A closer look reveals the characteristics of a homeless encampment or what Europeans call an open drug scene. In the driveway, there's a broken-down camper van. On the street is a yellow school bus, which neighbors said DePappi occasionally stayed in. Both are filled with garbage typical of such structures in homeless encampments. People come and go from the house and the vehicles, neighbors say, in part to partake in the use of a potent psychedelic drug, Ibogaine. 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 I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to have to Google this thing during the break. Neighbors, just so I know how to pronounce it, not, actually, I probably shouldn't Google this at work. It's probably not a good idea. Neighbors described DePappi as a homeless addict with a politics that was, until recently, left-wing, but of secondary importance to his psychotic and paranoid behavior. What I know about the family is that they're very radical activists, said one of DePappi's neighbors, a woman who would only give her first name, Trish. Quote, they seem very left. They are all about the Black Lives Matter movement, gay pride, but they're very detached from reality. They, they have called the cops on several of the neighbors, including us, claiming that we are plotting against them. It's really weird to see that they're willing to be so aggressive towards someone else who is also a lefty. This is what the neighbors say. But this is, this is what a paranoid, psychotic disorder would induce, right? Another woman said, um, he talks to angels. He says he talks to angels. Says they call him out by his name. Narrative, 
uh, or sorry, narrative. I mean, just I'll just start mid sentence. Yeah, no. Uh, he said he lived in a storage unit in a shed. He used hard drugs. His drug use began uh, and uh, after a period of sobriety, but when he started up again, he quote went off his rocker. Said another neighbor. Um, Much of the rest of the news media swept up in the narrative that DePappy was more like John Wilkes Booth, the fanatical but sane assassin of Abraham Lincoln, than John Hinckley Jr., the mentally ill man who shot Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah, there was another one. I forgot to mention Reagan, right? Do we blame the left for the, the attempted assassination on Ronald Reagan? No, because John Hinckley Jr. did it because he was trying to gain the attention of Jodie Foster. That who who he had seen in the movie, Taxi Driver. So he was trying to woo her and thought, this is the way to do it. Again, this is an insane idea. Right? It's crazy. But that's that was what he said the motive was. And we don't ascribe his actions to the entire political left simply because the target was a member of the political right. He goes, Schellenberg says uh, that DePappy is much more like one of the hundreds of psychotic homeless people I have interviewed in recent years. Wrapped up in their own obsession with Trump Republicans, most journalists have missed the real story. David DePappy is not a microcosm of the political psychosis gripping America in general. He's a microcosm of the drug-induced psychosis gripping the West Coast in particular. See, this is why this is an awkward and embarrassing story for the left. Because this is their policies. This is the humanity of what their policies wrought. This guy, living in a bus on the side of the road, out in front of a house that's become a, a nudist commune where they're doing all sorts of drugs all the time calling the cops all the time because they have these paranoid delusions that everyone is out to get them as schellenberger has argued this is not a humane way to approach the problem he says many still insist that the suspect was driven by a political ideology but the mother of his children has now confirmed he was in the grip of a psychosis caused by long-term drug use This story is fundamentally about mental health, not political radicalization. And he's exactly right. But it takes some time. It takes 48 hours or so, 72 hours, for us to get more information to know these things. For the love of me, stop racing to write narratives, to advance partisan agendas, media. Michael Schellenberger writes on Twitter, defenders of the political radicalization hypothesis point to racist and pro-Trump blog posts as proof that political ideology drove this guy to violence. But it's now clear that the posts, which included references to fairies, were symptoms of psychosis, just like the attack itself. As such, 
Blaming the ideas expressed in David DePappi's blog posts for his attack on Pelosi is the equivalent of blaming Martin Scorsese for Taxi Driver. Because that's the movie John Hinckley Jr. saw, became obsessed with, and led him to shoot Ronald Reagan in order to win Jodie Foster's affection. Well, attention. But I guess affection also. It is inaccurate to point to psychotic delusions as the underlying motivations for behavior. Psychotics will always find some reason to justify their behavior. What caused Pappy's delusions was the same thing that caused his alleged violence. Psychosis, not ideology. I don't know why this is so difficult for members of the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, for them to understand. Why is this so hard to understand? Is it only hard to understand when it's somebody on the left getting attacked? Or do you view all people on the right as the equivalent of the underwear hammer wielder? Let me go over here to Joe. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good. I want to go back to James Hodgkinson for just a minute. Sure. Um, that that story kind of didn't linger very long, and it it just shot it. That didn't surprise me, but I it just I just was kind of like this is a big deal, but there were no reports about whether Steve Scalise. There were no breathless updates about how his condition, and I just thought, what if a right wing shooter who worked for a uh, volunteered for a Republican presidential candidate and shouted something about immigra- illegal immigration mm-hmm. and shot up a Democratic softball, uh, baseball practice, you, it would be like January 6th. You would hear, you would have heard about that ad infinitum. And it just, that just always struck me. Yeah, it's I mean, or, or, I mean, even worse, maybe, I mean, could you imagine, like, let's say it was some, uh, it was some kid wearing a Democrat hat or something that got smirked at, you know? On the steps of the, the Lincoln Memorial. I, I mean, outrage, you know? Yeah, there, there is a double standard here. I don't cite these things, and I don't bring these up for comparison in order to get sympathy or to get the, quote, referees here to start blowing whistles for me. That's not the point. The point is to expose the hypocrisy and put them on the record. Like, this is why. This is an explanation. I'm making a record, if you will. This is an explanation for why the standards no longer hold. The standards don't hold any longer because... Every time something like what you just mentioned with the Hodgkinson case, it it it, it gets uh, dismissed. There were there were no congressional hearings about that. There, there was exactly. it, right. There was no effort to have the quote larger conversation about any of it, except hey, well you know he had a gun, right? Like that was the hey maybe we could talk about some gun control efforts. That was the only larger conversation that occurred in the aftermath of the attempted assassination of 11 Republican members of Congress. And one other point about that, if I might. He worked for Bernie Sanders. I think he went to Iowa to volunteer for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, he was. Yeah. No one blamed Bernie Sanders. No. And no one should have blamed Bernie Sanders. He had nothing to do with it. And the 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 attempt to folk uh, the attempt to uh justify this uh not just but explain this and and put the blame on somebody other than the perpetrator is is just way off base and it's really sick it's disgusting it, it, yeah 
So that's about it. Yeah, no, Joe, I appreciate, I appreciate the call. I agree. It's, it's grotesque, it's disgusting, and it needs to stop. This rush to, um, this rush to tie your political opponent to, the, to a vicious attack of some kind, that's, it's the same thing as standing on the, the, the bodies of you know, dead people in the wake of a mass attack in order to make political arguments. Same thing, except in this case, you know, Paul Pelosi was able to get the police there. The dispatcher understood this these uh, these codes that he was giving that prompted her to say something isn't right here and sent cops. And thankfully, they got there. But when they arrived, they don't know who's who. Right. They just see two people struggling over a hammer. And. The next thing, one of them whacks the uh, gets the hammer. And if you think about this, think about how this would play out. You got Paul Pelosi, eighty-two years old. This other guy, half his age, and Pelosi's in his home, obviously startled and scared. He's called nine one one. He's hoping cops show up. And the next thing, they start struggling over this hammer. Cops arrive, and they say, "You know, break it up or whatever. Stop, police." I can imagine in my mind. Pelosi relaxing before the crazy guy. Because first off, the guy's crazy. But secondly, because that's sort of the natural, that would be the natural relief, right? Like, oh, thank God the cops are here. Someone's here to serve and protect. Oh, yes, they came. And so you let your guard down. Like you're, you're in the middle of this struggle, and then it's like someone blows the whistle, right? Plays over. Yeah, except... The crazy guy doesn't listen to the whistle. That's the thing about crazy criminals. Yeah, they don't tend to listen to those things. So I could see why that opened him up for for getting hit because he may have very well relaxed. I don't know that, but I can imagine it happening that way. Or maybe the guy was just already in a windup or something, but from what the cops said when they got there, they were struggling. So here's a piece from our friend Colonel Kurt Schlichter, U.S. Army retired. Uh, he says at townhall.com, there's only one possible explanation, according to experts, licensed journalists, and our betters, that an underwear-clad MAGA assassin from a hippie commune in Berkeley who is best known for his nudist activism broke into the oddly unguarded mansion of the Speaker of the House. <laughs> right? This is, right? This is what made it so ridiculous, was that there are details that do not square with the narrative that you were writing for us in real time. And everyone can see it. Look, it's pretty clear that this was just one more Trump-inspired attack on our democracy. And to fail to accept this wholeheartedly is to be a conspiracy theorist who is blaming the victim and doing Putin's bidding. And it's also racist. Perhaps a guy walking through San Francisco in his Fruit of the Looms with a hammer in his hand at 2 a.m. might not draw much attention. But a lot of things don't quite add up on this story. Media and Democrats, I repeat myself, such as Ilan Omar, are out there making charges like, quote, a far-right white nationalist tried to assassinate the Speaker of the House and almost killed her husband a year after violent insurrectionists tried to find her and kill her in the Capitol. And the Republican Party's response is to either ignore it or belittle it? Yeah, no, I don't think people are belittling it. I don't think anybody's ignored it. It's been in the news cycle all weekend long. And for some reason... It's being blamed on Republicans. Might it have something to do with the election? 
<clears throat> the whole miscalculation is a manifestation of the problems that come from being trapped in a blue echo chamber. The reality of the red wave is, is sort of seeping in. It's upsetting the progressives. And then this happens, and suddenly they all decide that a really smart idea is to paint this as proof that the Republicans are trying to murder them. And everyone around them agrees. This is a super smart take. Oh, yeah, this is going to change our ballot box fortunes. Right? Because it, it, it can't possibly be just some random, transient, drug-addled psychotic breaking into uh, uh, the home of the uh, second in line to the presidency. No, no, no. Got to try to hang this incident around our necks. He says the regime media is in full effect now, acting as janitors for their political masters in the Democrat Party. And according to these hacks... The refusal to believe the ridiculous idea that this was some sort of Republican-inspired assault is misinformation and a conspiracy theory, which is a neat trick since it involves not believing something. Oh, and we are informed that refusing to accept the ridiculous official story is also celebrating, quote-unquote, the attack. That you're making fun of the attack unless you sit there and allow yourself to be slandered. I, like Colonel Schlichter, am not playing that. Not. Not true, and you're disgusting for suggesting it. News Talk 1110 993 WBT. Colonel Kurt Schlichter, writing at townhall.com, said the regime media is in full effect now, acting as janitors for their political masters in the Democrat Party. According to these hacks, the refusal to believe the ridiculous idea that this was some sort of Republican-inspired assault, that that somehow is misinformation. It's a conspiracy theory, which is a neat trick, he says, because it doesn't in, because it involves not believing something, right? That's... You're telling me it's a conspiracy theory to not believe what you're telling me. I don't know what happened. I don't know all of the details. But I, I, from what I do know, this guy was not inspired by Republicans to go attack Paul Pelosi or Nancy Pelosi. The guy was a long-term drug user, was detached from reality, was literally trying to buy a home for fairies. Like the little mythical creatures, the fairies. And he said he, but he couldn't find a house suitable because all of the doors were painted. And apparently, fairies do not live in houses with painted doors. I did not know this about fairies. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Hello, Cheryl. How are you? Um, I'm all right. Are you going to? Are you going to? Yeah, How good. Good. I'm all right. Well, I mean, why didn't, you know what? The what? women in power, like Hillary, Pelosi, Hunter Biden, their name is named constantly and berated all on the news. And I'm surprised it didn't happen, happen to Hillary. And one question, why didn't Trump denounce it? He did. He did? Yeah. When? Let's see here. I've got the story. And do, 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 do. This is from ABC 7 News. Trump, in an interview taped Friday with Americano Media, a conservative Spanish-language network, called the attack on Paul Pelosi a, quote, terrible thing. Okay. Well, he needs to leave. You all need to leave Hunter alone. You need to leave Hillary whoa, whoa, alone. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. Cheryl, Cheryl, hang on, hang on. Cheryl, 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 why do you do this? 
Why do you do that? Because you don't listen. No, I, you say something, and I was so you made your comment. I let you make your comment. You said you were going to say about Trump, and then you started to say something about women in power. But see, you're doing you're doing it again. Who's not listening? Well, now who's not listening? Have a good day, dear. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, why? What was the point of this call? Cheryl, why would you waste your time making that phone call? What is the purpose? To, to, to prove your ignorance of the, the subject matter? Was that the point? I mean, if that's the point, then well played, Cheryl. I mean, you, you definitely came through with that. I, I, but I'm curious. You had an opinion. This is what I was trying. This is what I was going to ask her. And see, I think that's what runs her away. She's scared of, of me asking her a question. Because here's the question I would have asked, which was, you came in with an opinion, you made the assertion based off of the opinion that Donald Trump did not uh, denounce the attack. When I gave you the proof that Donald Trump did, my question now would be, does your opinion on the matter change? Because you believed something that was not true. Dare I call it misinformation. Right? You believed something that was not true. I then gave you what was true that conflicts with your opinion. So now do you change your opinion? And I suspect, I mean, I don't, she would not have known that's what I was going to ask her. But I suspect she would not. I suspect she would not change her opinion. Because to Cheryl, it's everyone else who's the problem. Everyone else needs to stop talking about Hunter Biden, who I think she called a strong, powerful woman at the beginning of that comment. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe she's listening to the old Chandler Bing uh, audio tapes. <laughs> I don't know. No, but, but you hear what, what, what she was demanding, that the right needs to stop talking about people on the left. Which is, I mean, look, this is a consistent message, at least from the left, which is, Shut up. Right? That's, that, that's what all of these arguments kind of boil down to, this directive that you just shut your face. Just stop talking. Stop disagreeing. Stop having a different opinion than what I am telling you the correct opinion is, even if her correct opinion, as we just heard, was inaccurate. Right? But she, how many people do you think Cheryl has told around the office or uh, the water cooler or wherever it is she hangs out? How many people do you think she has told by now that Donald Trump did not denounce the attack. How many people do you think she has infected and polluted their mind with that misinformation? I think she may be a Putin puppet. I, that's, what, that's what purveyors of misinformation are, are they not? Your standard, by the way. Here's an email from, uh, I don't see a name. Kim? Or uh, Anyway. Uh, Pete, when the perpetrator is liberal, Democrats and the media make no connection to politics. The response is always the same. The perpetrator is a lone, mentally ill individual. <clears throat> right. Well, and in this um, in this case, all evidence is that the perpetrator is, in fact, a lone, mentally ill person. That, to me, is the, the there is more evidence to support that than any other theory that's floating around out there. And I only can come to that conclusion after watching developments and reading media accounts over the course of 48 hours since Friday afternoon through this morning, compiling this record 
now I have a better understanding of the you know, of who this guy is. And yeah, he seems to be a lone crazy person. Um, his ex partner or ex life partner, which I disagree with that term. I don't think you could be an ex life partner. But uh, this woman, the the nudist stripper Gypsy Taub, she's in prison. This woman is in prison for stalking and then trying to kidnap a 14-year-old with whom she was enamored. Okay? She was, yeah, she was, she was making advances, sexual advances. She's like 60-something, 70 years old, going after like some 14-year-old, trying to kidnap the kid. And this is the same one of this relationship. She identifies DePappy as mentally ill. And mentally ill for a very long time. She said... Um, he came back in a very bad shape. He thought he was Jesus. He was constantly paranoid, thinking people were after him. And she said, look, when they first met, he had no real experience in politics. He was very much in alignment with her views. She said, quote, I've always been very progressive. I admire Nancy Pelosi. Right? This isn't about politics. It's about long-term drug abuse and mental illness and the poor state of security in San Francisco. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.